silence and solitude. And I have been on an incredible journey with that over the past sort of four or five months. And I'll share with you what stirred me to do it. I work in the world of uh, enabling uh, organizations to become more able to, to extend their capacity, to develop leaders and all that kind of thing. And I'm sure you've heard of the term mindfulness. Have you heard of it? Yes? Well, mindfulness, have you heard of it? I'm claiming mindfulness back because I have sat in seminars and leadership seminars where they've talked about mindfulness, be present in the moment, experience everything that is around you. And I grin to myself because Jesus taught us that many, many, many years ago. The Father laid it down in, his, in, the, in what he gave us in the Bible of how solitude and silence is good for the soul. It enriches you. It enables you. It empowers you. And the journey that I've been on that, now, you're going to think, wow, four minutes, really? <laughs> I'm on a mission to enable myself to sit for 10 minutes with not thinking about anything, not you know, thinking, what am I going to go? Am I going to go to Tesco's? Or who's coming tonight? But thinking of nothing. Now, before all you psychologists come to me and say, you can't think of nothing. The method that I've used is I've pictured a cross, just a cross. Nothing going on around it and nothing in it. And I keep bringing my eyes back to that. And I surrender that time, no thought, just the cross. I've got to four and a half minutes in four months. And that's me being honest and saying, four and a half minutes before I have to go, don't think, come back. And those four and a half minutes have been the most enriching time and enabling time. It doesn't sound very much, but I'm very proud of it. And my mission is to get to 10 minutes of no thought, of sitting in silence and solitude and giving that place to God. So that's just a bit of my story of the journey that I've been on with silence and solitude. Um, but I want to move on to what we're going to talk about this morning, which is celebration. Now, audience participation. I think you are all wonderful, and I think you all deserve to be celebrated. However, there are a few little gifts around the room. And if you look underneath your chair, and if you've got an empty chair beside you, then aren't you lucky? Have a look. Have a look at the empty chairs around you if you don't. Uh... Oh, Malcolm's got one. Can I borrow it, Malcolm? Can I borrow it? Yeah, Carly's got one. There should be five of them, by the way, so keep looking. We've only got two. We've only got two. Oh, yeah, Andrew has one. Four. Oh, oh, Andrew's being very gracious and has just given it away. <laughs> Sorry for my hoarse voice. I never learn. I beat it out in worship before I come to speak. These say on them, marvelous creation. And you're all marvelous creations. But as I prayed last night, I felt God tell me, some people need reminded of that this morning. You're a marvelous creation. Wonderfully created in your Father's image. And it's amazing. We went to see Mary Poppins last night. And we made our husbands good. <laughs> Jenny and I are on a mission. Um, and it was lovely. But you know what it reminded me of last night? 
it reminded me of the wonderful imagination of children. It reminded me how celebration comes so easy to them in their imaginations, in the wonderful worlds that they create. And then we grow up and life happens and we begin to think a lot as adults. And shall I challenge sometimes to overthink and we lose that imagination. And it reminded me a little bit of celebrations. And celebrations are wonderful. And I've shared about my birthday celebrations, and I love them. We have occasions like weddings, and we've had weddings here this year, um, which has been wonderful. Um, and Christmas, a time for celebration, but a time also that can be challenging for people, and I do acknowledge and recognize that. And I love the story in Matthew 22 where Jesus tells this wonderful story of the kingdom of heaven and how it's like a banquet. It's like this big party, and he spares no expense, and he sends everybody out, and he doesn't get enough people at the start, and he sends people out again for the banquet and the party um, that he um, is putting on, a celebration. And Jesus didn't distance himself from celebrations. In fact... One of his, his first miracle, changing water into wine, was at a wedding. And he embraced the celebrations. His parents lost him at the, the Passover feast in Jerusalem um, when he disappeared as a young boy. He embraced celebration. And celebration, in fact, you could say, is part of being a Christian. Yes? Luke 10, 20 says, However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Philippians 4 and 4, rejoice in the Lord. Always, I said again, rejoice. I have been on a journey with celebration, probably across past sort of, if I'm honest, probably the next eight or, eight or nine years, I've been on a journey with pursuing a life of celebration. And what I want to share this morning are some of those things that I've discovered on that journey. And we're going to jump in and out of some Bible passages, but I'm not going to use one specific. I'm going to share my heart of the things that I have found helpful to take me into that life of celebration, and that's what I want to do. And I suppose celebration means different things to lots of different people, doesn't it? There's words are of different meanings to people, depending on their experience and as they go forward. But this is the word, this is the celebration, description of celebration that I base everything that I do on. The celebration of something that is praise and appreciation which is given to it. The celebration of something is praise and appreciation which has been given to it. And in that, one of the things that I've been journeying with is a verse in John 10. And you'll all know it well. It's uh, John 10 and 10. And it's this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it in all its fullness. Now, how long have I got? 10 point sermon though, I'm joking. <laughs> There's loads in that one little verse. There's loads of things that we could bring out of that. And we could explore all different types of directions. The fact is that Jesus could have just said, I've come to give you life. Why did he add the other bit in? Would have been happy if he said, come to give you life, wouldn't you? But why did he add the other bit in? What does it look like 
have a little favorite saying, and it's what's the difference that makes the difference? So what's the difference that makes the difference in a life walking with Jesus that brings fullness? And there's loads of things. And actually, our, our series has explored lots of things that can come together to enable that as you journey life with Jesus. But I want to humbly present that one of those choices is celebration. That one of the keys that opens up that fullness of life, when life is hard, when life is difficult, when life is wonderful, any situation, I humbly want to present that celebration is one of those keys. Richard Foster is a theologian, um, a Bible theologian, and he's written a, a wonderful little book called the book, A Celebration of Disciplines. And in that book, he says this, celebration is central to all spiritual disciplines. Without a joyful spirit of festivity, the disciplines become dull. I didn't sign up the dull. And if somebody comes and tells me you have to be dull, they're telling lies, because that's not what I signed up to. That's not who Jesus is. That's not what the story of Christianity is. So when I read that, I started on a journey. So I asked myself, what does a life with fullness of celebration look like? And how can I get it? What does a life of celebration of fullness look like? And how do I get it? And I've gone on a journey with three things that I want to share with you. See, three-point sermon. Impressed? Good. <laughs> Um, and they are celebrate me, and you can put yourself in that, celebrate me, celebrate each other, and celebrate together. So celebrate me, celebrate each other, and celebrate together. And I just want to go on a quick journey of those um, and share my heart with you about those. Because celebration at specific times is wonderful. And I am not in any way um, belittling that. But I suppose I'm saying, what would it look like if celebration flowed through my whole life, regardless of my circumstances? And I don't say that lightly, because I acknowledge that circumstances can be really hard. And to find the courage and the strength to celebrate in that is really hard. And I totally acknowledge that. But I want to share my journey with that. So celebrate me, and I add a little bit on that, as a child of God. Who's your toughest critic? Feedback. Who's your toughest critic? Hope nobody said their husband or wife there. Or we're in for domestic after church. Oh, <laughs> Okay. If you're anything like me, and I'm not talking about times when we need to explore who we are or what we're doing, and we need to reflect on it, we need to change it, that's not what I'm talking about. But if you're anything, because that's good, and that's positive, okay? But if you're anything like me, when things don't go wrong, or things don't go well, or things don't go as well as I felt I would have liked them to, or maybe I didn't do as well in something, I can in Northern Ireland terminology, give myself a good pasting. There's nobody sometimes can give yourself as hard a review as yourself. We can be very hard on ourselves. But did you know that if you had been the only person 
on this earth, when Jesus walked that walk to Calvary, he still would have done it. The only one, he still would have done it. You should be smiling at me right now, that's amazing. You are celebrated. There's a beautiful verse in Luke 15 and 10, and I love it. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. When you met Jesus, there was a massive party in heaven. And about 10 years ago on this journey, um, and I'd been a Christian for about 21 years before that, now before you do the maths and say, now, Lane, you don't look old enough for that. Come on, hurry up, put it back. I had a, a bit of a revelation in my relationship with God. Um, and it was how I approached him. It was how I came to him when I was praying and spending time in his presence and just being with him. And I remember always reading John's gospel. I love John's gospel. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful story of Jesus' life. And I used to think, my goodness, that man John's but you know, bit sure of himself, isn't he? Because in case you haven't, if you haven't read it, then John says in John's gospel continuously that he is the disciple that Jesus loved. He says it openly. He writes it. I am the disciple that Jesus loved. And I came on a journey of going, do you know what? I'm God's favorite. And those that know me well will know that I, I'm not saying it because I'm here. If you're chatting to me, I will go, I am adored. I am pursued. I am loved. I am the disciple that Jesus loves. He adores me. I love that song. Kick down the lies. You know that song I'm talking about? His, what is it called? Reckless love. You are adored and pursued. You're a wonderful creation made in your Father's image. When I come to the Father out of that place, that I'm redeemed, restored, blameless in his sight, clean in his sight, I can do no wrong, it releases a different authority, power, love, all of those words. It makes a difference. It's the difference that makes the difference. So I will choose to celebrate who I am in Christ. And I encourage you to do that too. When you begin to live out of that identity, you begin to walk in the fullness of life, of celebration of who you are in Christ. And the journey we've been on with the disciplines of reading the Bible, of understanding the Bible, of knowing how it applies to you, of prayer, of times of solitude, concrete that identity and enable you to celebrate. So celebrate it. Um, who you are in Christ and I know there are some things that stop us from doing that I know and for everybody their story will be different and for everybody the things that stop you celebrating who you are in Christ will be different and I don't have all the answers to that but I do have one surety you are loved pursued adored and Jesus is enough The next one I want to look at is um, celebrate each other. And I want to do that with a wonderful story because I love stories. Those of you know me, I love stories. Um, and it's a story Tony uh, Campolo says, tells about when a time when he was speaking in Hawaii. And uh, he couldn't sleep and he decided to go out for a walk. Um, and he went into this cafe. It was about 3.30 in the morning. 
And he was sitting having some coffee. Um, and all of a sudden, a group of ladies who were prostitutes came in to the cafe to have some coffee. And he was sitting and he overheard their conversation and they started chatting. Um, and one of the prostitutes said to the others, you know, it's my birthday tomorrow. And her friend said to her, quite harshly, Tony Campolo says, well, what do you want us to do? You know, it's just another day. You know, what do you want us to throw a party? No, we're not going to do that. And they left and Tony Campolo sat there and he, the, uh, the guy that owned the, the cafe came over to fill up his coffee and he started to chat to him. And Tony Campolo said to him, I overheard that, that young girl, it's her birthday tomorrow, wouldn't it be fabulous? to celebrate her birthday. And the owner of the cafe said, yeah, actually, it would. So the owner and Tony spent later the next day, late in the evening, decorating the cafe and sat waiting for these group of prostitutes to come in. And they came in about three o'clock in the morning. And the place was decorated and they celebrated this young girl's birthday. And the owner of the cafe had booked her a cake, or baked her a cake and the candles and all on it, and they encouraged her to blow out the candles. Blow out the candles and we'll cut the cake. And she started to cry, and she said, I've never had a birthday party. Nobody's ever celebrated me. Would it be okay if we don't blow the candles out or cut the cake yet? Just for another little minute, just so that I can enjoy it. And the owner of the cafe said to her, look, if you don't want to cut the cake, it's okay, take it home. Take it with you. It's yours. It's a gift. It's a celebration of your birthday. And she walked out 10 foot, foot tall, Tony Campalo says, shoulders up with her cake because she'd been celebrated. And uh, the story goes on to say that Tony Campalo decided to be brave and with the people around him and the other prostitutes that were in the room, he said, I'm a, a preacher. I'm a pastor. Would it be okay if I pray? And they had a short time of prayer and he prayed. And the owner of the diner came to him later on and he said to him, I didn't know you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? And Tony Campalo answered back, a church that throws parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. And the owner said, no, you don't. Because if there was a church like that, I would go to it. It's simple. Celebrating each other, people are worth it. Somebody said to me one time, you can't love Jesus and not love people because he adores them. You know, it's funny, I shared with you, I, sit, I, I work with um, leadership teams and developing leadership capacity and all that kind of thing. And I'll sit through, through some training and I hear them talk and teach about how as leaders in, in this decade we need to be able to celebrate the successes of our teams, to encourage the people around us, to make them feel that they are worth it and that's how we get the best out of our teams. And again I sit and I smile to myself and I laugh and I go, huh, God taught us to do that. The Bible is full of one another's haven't explored them go and explore them love one another encourage one another have hospitality with one another all of them I have been again on a journey with this 
And I am not saying it's easy, it's hard. I'm not saying that I like everybody that comes my way. I'm being honest. There are behaviors that I go, no, I don't like that. However, I've made a conscious decision that I will look beyond that behavior. Why? Because of a fundamental belief and I know that people are worth it. Do I get it right all the time? No. But I choose to celebrate people. And when we choose to celebrate each other, we support each other to move and look beyond our circumstances. We empower and remind each other that God is good. All of the time, God is good. And that choice to celebrate, sometimes people aren't in a place to do it because it's so hard. So then we get around them and we choose to celebrate them in the place that they're in. The last one that I'm coming up to, it's wonderful because we're, we're going to um, stop a little bit early and, and I'll explain in a minute. Um, the worship team are going to do a couple of songs. Is to celebrate together. So celebrate me, celebrate you as a child of God. Celebrate the identity. Celebrate what Jesus has done for you. Celebrate who you truly are as adored. Celebrate each other. Encourage each other. Help people each other to move and look beyond the circumstances and remind them that God is good and lastly celebrate together um, and I suppose I'm going to revert to my favorite story of celebration and you've probably heard me teach on it before um, uh, a good while ago and it's Nehemiah um, and for those of you that don't know Nehemiah um, it's a book in the Old Testament and Nehemiah he wasn't a prophet he wasn't a priest he was just a man who loved God passionately and loved all of his ways. And he was heartbroken to see that um, his love for his city of Jerusalem, um, and he was heartbroken to see that its walls had been destroyed. And its walls, and it, it's more to do with more than walls, it's identity, it's belonging. And in chapter one, um, Nehemiah has what I call his Popeye moment. Do you know what I mean by a Popeye moment? What, what's, the favorite, what's the saying of a Popeye moment? What was Popeye's favorite saying when he was so frustrated? No! What? You don't remember it? I, um, I can't stand, I'm sorry, I've lost my place now. I've lost my, my joke. Um, that's all I can stand, I can't stand no more. Nehemiah had his Popeye moment. And he decided to do something about it. And his prayers, if you haven't read them, if you love praying for your city, go and read the prayers that Nehemiah prays for the city of Jerusalem. They're amazing. They're passionate. And he sought God for his city with such passion and desire. And he decided to do something about it. And the story goes on of how he secured the favor of God. And he sent him before the king. And he went to Jerusalem. And at the end of chapter 2, he casts clear vision for the people and invites them to join him in the story of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Now, let me just set you some context in this. The walls of Jerusalem are approximately two and a half miles long with 34 watchtowers, eight gates. They're 12 meters high um, and approximately two and a half meters thick. They had no cranes, no forklifts, none of today's modern technology. It was quite a big job. And the book goes on through of how all the people played their part in building the walls. Each of them, beside their own house, building their portion. 
Um, and his vision included everybody, which I love. He got everyone all in, or as we like to say in Vineyard, everyone gets to play. And under Nehemiah's leadership, they achieved their goal in 54 days. It was pretty amazing. 54, or sorry, 52 days, sorry, I'm wrong. 52 days. What do you think Nehemiah did when the job was done? He threw a party, absolutely. He threw a party and he celebrates the job done and he completes, he honours the people who were involved in it, every single one of them. And I just, Paul, pinch my glasses, I need these to see the Bible. I just want to read it to you in um, chapter 13. So chapter 13 of Nehemiah, or sorry, chapter 12, and verse, sorry, where am I? Verse 27 to 29. Sorry, I should have marked it. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived, and they were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully with dedications, with songs and thanksgiving, with musics of cymbals and harps and lyres. Nehemiah joined together all of the musicians, all of the priests, and they walked the walls in celebration. They walked the walls in celebration of what had been achieved. They recognized every single bit of, commu of community and commitment, every bit of sweat and hard work. They all came together to achieve the vision and they celebrated at the end. They celebrated together. Celebration is infective. Celebration communicates joy and joy that is beyond all circumstances, joy that is unexplainable, even though it's in the midst of some really painful things. It's profound on the effect that it has on others. Proverbs 17.23 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine. I'm on a wonderful journey of exploring what a fullness life of celebration looks like, what it can release, what it can enable. But it is a journey. And when you look at that, when you think about journeys, journeys don't stand still. It's my choice to take the roads that I need to take. And it's my choice to be aware of what fuel I need in order to do that journey. It's my choice to recognize when my fuel light is a bit low and where I need to go to my source to refuel. And it's my choice to journey and continue my journey knowing that I'm on the path when I see some of the landmarks that are getting there, that I'm getting there, that I know I'm on the right route. And I totally recognize that in many circumstances it's hard to choose celebration. And I totally acknowledge that things in life can be really difficult. And I also acknowledge that I don't have all of the answers or the certainties for those circumstances that you may be in. But I can stand in testimony, in experience, in what I've seen. And I have seen shifts in people empowered when they choose celebration even in a difficult place i've seen lives transformed and situations transformed when the person has chosen to celebrate 
And I think it's, it's part, I've seen, when I've seen people embrace that and choose that, it's like a little bit of glimpse of that kingdom here on earth. We're a power that's beyond all understanding of the circumstances in our human minds. The kingdom just breaks into that. And you see people who can stand on those verses, those wonderful verses in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds, in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up um, and, and get ready, because um, I'm going to kind of share a little bit about what I want to do in response today. I've shared my journey. I've shown you my passion for celebration. I've said I believe it is one of the keys in releasing the fullness of life. I recognize that sometimes it's hard to choose and sometimes we need to let the people do it for us around us. And that's what celebrating together and celebrating one another and celebrating ourselves and our identity um, releases. But in the last few verses of Nehemiah 13, I've told you that they walk the walls and they celebrate everybody's commitment and all of the work that's done in it. But in the last um, few verses of Nehemiah 13, all of the choirs and the worshippers and the leaders and the people descend upon the temple. And they all worship and celebrate together that Jerusalem has been restored with its walls. And I love that picture because when I sit and read it, I close my eyes and I think of the noise and the dancing and, you know, the musical instruments and the excitement of celebration that's in that room. Our children are going to come down and, and join with us. We're going to have a few, um, a couple of songs. We're going to break with the norm of, of the way we do things and we're going to have a couple of worship songs um, at the end today because I felt what is the response to this is it and I, I you know I, I sought God and I said you know what is the response to this and actually the response is a choose to celebrate a choice to celebrate whether you can stand today and celebrate your identity of who you are and if you're here and you haven't heard that story of Jesus and how much he loves you and how much he wants to meet you when I talk about your identity, then please come and speak to one of us. We would love to share the story of Jesus to help you understand that you are loved, adored and pursued. I would love to share more with that to you. So I'm going to invite you to celebrate this morning because wouldn't it be remiss of me to stand and share my journey and say I feel that these are some tips that I can pass on and not invite you to participate. So the band are going to play a couple of worship songs. We're, we're going to have a, a few worship songs before then we, um, Chantelle will come and, and, and close our service this morning. So I invite you to worship your identity. I invite you to celebrate each other. And I invite you to celebrate together. If you'd all stand, it'd be great.